From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Um, I, I don't know whether or not 1.5 million job loss is good or not. I just know it's better than expectations, and I know it's better than what it was last week. And that, I think, was what the markets were focusing on. Don't focus on good and bad. Focus on better or worse. And, and I think the better is actually the, the element that we've seen a lot more of. It. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here, and up on the line in Boston, we have Jeff Bookbinder. Then just right up the road in North Carolina, we have Bert White. I guess we'll start with Bert. Bert, you weren't here last week. How's uh, how's life going? Life's good. Life's doing all right. Uh, things yeah. are things are pretty good on the weekends. We're trying to get out of Charlotte because yep. it's uh, an inferno here. It's like a it's like an oven, and so we're headed to the mountains. Um, about every other weekend and going out there and playing around. I hear you're going out there at some point. Yes. Uh, if all goes well, this Wednesday, we're going to go up to the Blowing Rock area, maybe do a hike on the Grandfather Mountain, which apparently is the tallest mountain in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, so assuming I survive that with the wife and kids, uh, we should have a good weekend. Any, any tips for the Grandfather Mountain, Bert? I know you said you've hiked it once or twice. Dude, it is uh, it is scary. It is like <laughs> okay. You go up the main, you go up the main one. It is a sheer rock face, uh, and we got we went with the kids, and we got about halfway up, and we were so scared that we were like, okay, we either have to climb down this mountain on the rock face, which sounds so scary, or we got to climb up it, which even sounds more scary. At the top, dude, it is. Beautiful. Between then and there, uh, I had about four heart attacks and, and I was scared to death. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's good or bad what you just told me, but I'm looking forward to it nonetheless. Jeff, um, is it as hot up in Boston or how's the weather up there? Because it is, like Bert said, down here in the Carolinas, it's it's getting hot. Summer is here. Oh, it's pretty cool here. We got rain the uh, last uh, couple of days, so that helped cool things off. You know, the fact that we don't have access to a pool right now hasn't even mattered. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next few weeks when it's supposed to uh, warm up. All right. So let's just, guys, we've got a lot to discuss, as always, on this week's LPL Marcus Stindles podcast. So let's just get into it. We're going to look at three things. The spike in COVID-19 cases. We're also going to take a look at this week's weekly market commentary. We're going to take a look at kind of bonds and rates, what we see the rest of this year. And then we're going to end it with the stress test, some confusing, I think, things we're seeing out of banks. Then also kind of this week, we have the jobs report. It's a big one. We're going to end it on Thursday with that. Uh, so, Bert, let's start with you. I mean, COVID-19 cases continue to soar in the Carolinas, where we are. We're one of the states getting hit very hard. Out west, it's soaring. I think I saw the seven-day average of new cases in the United States is up around 40,000. So that's the highest we've seen, even higher than back in April. If there's any positives to it though, believe me, there are not many, the number of deaths continue to trend lower. Is this because people getting sick are younger, like we're hearing, or something else at work, or is just tragically the deaths are gonna lag the new uh, the new cases? What's your take on COVID-19, Bert? It's probably a little bit of all that, Ryan. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the hospitals have obviously have a little experience dealing with this, and I think they um, are, are a little quicker. Um, I think the population is quicker to be able to diagnose this quickly and be able to sort of go get help. Um, you're probably hitting a different part of the population. Those that were most, um, you know, potentially hurt by this is probably uh, ones that are probably being the most careful, and those that um, have a little bit more resistance to this are probably the ones that are least careful. But, you know, you got all that going on, uh, Ryan, I think, you know, the one thing I would just say is it's interesting to see 
some of the, the consumer data that's coming out of the, and the connection to COVID. Uh, I saw the University of Michigan uh, consumer sentiment numbers and it was done by region. And the region where you saw the biggest increase in consumer sentiment was in the Northeast, where you're seeing uh, really the coming out of the lockdown and the fewest amount of new cases. Consumer sentiment there just skyrocketed at all-time high at 19% month to month from May to June. But you go to the South, you go to the West, particularly in areas like Arizona and others where these COVID cases are, are moving higher, sentiment has been really muted. And it's just a, it just goes to show you that, that you know, when you think about these new cases, the impact it has on consumer confidence and sentiment is, uh, is really, really closely tied. It's why watching these cases are important, not just for uh, second waves, but also uh, impacting the element of reopening. Uh, good points there. You know, I heard over the weekend, obviously, people are more and more states are saying you have to wear a mask. I know Uptown, we call it Uptown. Uptown Charlotte says you have to wear a mask now obviously keeping six foot distance. I heard that if you are a little confused as to what exactly six, how far away six feet is, you can watch any Baker Mayfield pass. And what they said is, look at where he's throwing it and look where it lands. Where it lands is about six feet. So you can insert your favorite quarterback there, but I heard that over the weekend with, uh, obviously COVID-19 is not funny, but that's a little little humorous joke. Uh, Jeff, so Northeast, you're in the Northeast. That means you're feeling pretty good. I mean, what's your take on COVID-19? Is it true? I mean, you're, you're there. You're, you're our guy on the ground. Uh, is, is the morale getting a lot better because of um, the positive trends we're seeing? I think so. Yeah, restaurants uh, have just uh, opened up their dining rooms here uh, just over the last couple of days. People are getting out more. I mean, it, we're seeing that that pent up demand. You know, people stuck in their houses uh, for so long here, uh, just in the Northeast, in many cases, starting to come out over the last uh, couple of weeks. I mean, it just points to how regional this is. Bert mentioned it, right? There are, you know, very very different pictures depending on which state. Uh, that that you look at. So uh, we're certainly encouraged by the progress in the Northeast. Wish we were seeing the same thing nationwide, uh, but unfortunately we're not. I think, you know, it's most important to watch the hospitalizations at this point, yes. right? Because um, they are barely starting to tick up nationwide. And even though we've had more cases and they're skewing younger, we just talked about uh, if hospitalizations uh, stay where they are, or maybe only rise a little bit more. That can, you know, ease the pressure on uh, the healthcare system and and allow the reopenings to continue. Yeah, you know, Bert. One other thing that caught my good stuff there, Jeff. Thanks. Maybe let's go to one other thing that caught my attention last week. There are some significant companies that are flat out saying on the social media front, Facebook and Twitter, that they're not going to invest in or at least not going to pay for advertising on social media until major social changes are made on Facebook and Twitter and some of these other big ones. This is fresh out of the news. You know, just on Friday, some big sell offs in Facebook and Twitter specifically. I mean, we can't talk about individual equities. We can only give the broad news, which is what we're doing. But group for but Bert, for that group, my oh my, this seems like um that's a lot of pressure. I mean, do you have any initial thoughts on what we saw late last week? Because that worries me. Those are some of the strongest groups out there. Communications got hit hard on Friday, and it, it could, uh, that's a leader in the, in the pack, and that could really pull them back if that happens, right? Well, you, you know, I think, I think corporate America is trying to find out where their voice is, um, and, and their voice isn't in their stores anymore. It's not in the brick and mortar anymore. It's not on TV anymore on ads. 
um, it now is over the social over social media. That is where people's voice is. It, it also is dominated by a, a younger demographic, and that younger demographic is everyone is carrying sort of the flag right now uh, of of this social injustice that that has been out there, and, and people everyone is doing that. But but that that crosses all age groups. But it, it really, if you look at the riots and some of the protests, you know, it is skewed to a younger demographic. And that clearly is, you know, being seen on the social uh, side. But I think the big part here, Ryan, is just the fact that this is where the voice is of corporate America. And, and I think this this says a, a lot about uh, corporate America is wanting to, wanting to help or wanting to find its voice. I think it's also, if you want to go one step even, even further into that, it uh, just goes and shows uh, just where uh, corporate America is going to increasingly target from a sales and, and branding perspective. It is social. Um, that is becoming the most important weapon for companies like uh, Disney and Apple and many others, uh, Coca-Cola, that are now beginning to think about uh, utilizing that voice in these social channels. Uh, good good takeaways there. Bert, uh, we'll go to you one more one more question, then we're going to go to Jeff and talk about our weekly market commentary. 23 years ago, Bert, yesterday was the Mike Tyson and Vander Holyfield fight when Tyson yeah. bit his ear. Yeah. Did you watch that fight? Do you remember any yeah. takeaways from that? Wasn't that just the, I, for, for first me, I watched with some college buddies. I was in college then. It just was like that surreal moment. Like, no, he didn't. Because he bit him once, remember? And then he bit him a second time. I mean, what, 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 uh, he didn't learn apparently after the second time. What did you uh-huh. think of that? I will never forget that. Uh, yeah. I, I will, I will never forget that. I will say, you know, win at all costs, right? Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, that truly was win at all costs. And uh, I don't know if I could nibble another person's ear off, Ryan. I, you know, I just yeah. don't know if I could do it. Yeah. Seems a little yucky. I don't think I could either, but you know, obviously, I think it, we make the joke that you can't see a presentation, not just in the financial field, but any type of field. And that famous Mike Mike Tyson quote: "Everyone's got a plan until you're punched in the mouth," and it's 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 very true. You know, from market's point of view, we talked about. I think we probably used that quote back in March, where you have a plan, and then when the markets pull back thirty four percent, you better make sure you really have a plan because you don't expect what happens to happen, and it it gets you a lot of times, much like a Mike Tyson punch or a, a big uh, stock market sell off. But Jeff, let's. Let's go to you now. Uh, the weekly market commentary. You know, we've been we've we're releasing next month our mid-year outlook. So we've been hinting the last couple of weeks at kind of how we see certain things. Last week we focused on international. We talked about the U.S. stock market. Obviously every week, but a lot two weeks ago. This week, Jeff, we released our uh, kind of outlook as we see for fixed income and rates. I kind of Jeff, you know, in two or three minutes, kind of high level. What do we see happening in the bond market, and why did we just lower our ten-year yield target as well? Yeah, Ryan, I'm a little afraid to make a yield forecast given we've expected rising rates for so long. And, right. uh, you know, here we are below 0.7% on the 10-year. Um, we've yeah. had little fits and starts of moves higher in, in rates, but nothing's really um, stuck. So we're, we're just taking our 10-year yield forecast down a bit, down to 1% to 1.5% uh, for the end of the year. I mean, we know that the Fed's mm-hmm. going to be really accommodative and keep rates at zero for quite some time, probably not just through this year, but through next year as well. Uh, We certainly don't have any signs of inflation, especially with the uh, demand shock from the pandemic. And then we still have very low or negative interest rates in many uh, international economies. So we're really just seeing uh, continued heavy downward pressure on, on yields. I mean, that 
that's good for credit markets, good for borrowers, but but boy, are we punishing savers. This is not a news story, uh, but it's really tough to uh, to generate income right now. Yeah, Jeff, let's dig in a little bit. Um, where should someone invest then? I mean, if they think, if we think, okay, yields are going to be depressed, maybe pop a little bit, but that, it's tough. I mean, let's say yields go up a little bit more than we think, and the economy gets better, and COVID, we, we, we find some positive news there. Where should someone who's invested in fixed income put their assets? Well, we're saying for the next six months, maybe say six to 12 months here. You really got to take what the market gives you. Uh, the We love bonds um, as um, you know a ballast to offset equity market volatility, but we probably want to have a little less than, than our target, depending on your risk tolerance. Uh, we still think it makes sense to own your traditional core bonds, you know, the bonds that make up the Bloomberg Barclays bond market index, a little bit of corporates, some mortgage-backed securities. Maybe if you're a little more uh, tolerant uh, toward risk, you want to own a little bit of high yield or emerging market debt. Mm-hmm. But we would not get too aggressive here. We would keep interest rate sensitivity down. And, uh, you know, even though these yields aren't very attractive, um, we think it, you just really have to accept them at this point uh, and, and wait for them to move higher uh, over time. All right. Good, good points there. So, Bert, um, you know, you've long talked about the Fed and, and, and almost the way they're punishing savers. In a way, this is kind of a good segue to the next uh, conversation. But before I go there, I mean, you've been doing this a long time. Tell me why every time we think rates are going to go higher, not just us, not just LPL, everybody is saying, oh, rates are going to go higher. They keep going lower. Try and sell me in two minutes why rates will finally start to go higher. Even if it's not your base case, but why? <laughs> tell me how it's going to finally happen after decades of everyone kind of an egg on their face here. I, I can't, Ryan. Right, right exactly. I, yeah. it, I wish I could. I, you know, you you look at two big influences. Number one is the Fed; they look pretty entrenched, and number two is inflation. Inflation is nowhere to be seen, um, and I think those are the two things that will put upward pressure on rates, and they're not going to happen. And the, the one big piece here is remember that remember what inflation is. And inflation is nothing more than the smoke that comes out of the fire that we call economic growth. And and the fact that the last 10 years have had subpar economic growth, Ryan, that we've not really gotten uh, really the the type of growth that we thought you would have gotten after the worst recession since the Great Depression, you would have thought you would have gotten the best growth. Instead, we didn't get that growth, so therefore you didn't get the smoke off that fire. Um, And the real question is, are we going to get it this time? And you could. And so I think that's the real thing to watch is um, finally might we find um, inflation in this market. Um, you could, it uh, doesn't look like it, right. not in the short term, uh, but I'd say that'd be the one thing to watch out for, huh? Yeah, I agree. It's almost like deja vu. And Bert, I'm going to ask you in a second if you've ever had deja vu. I actually had deja vu for one of the few times in my life this weekend, guys. So I can't remember my dreams. I wear a CPAP. I think I'm just tired with work and wife and kids. I sleep great. I never remember my dreams. I actually woke up Saturday morning and actually kind of remember what I dreamed about. I actually, this is weird because I don't dream about stuff like this as far as I know, but I said I had a dream that I was actually in Barron's over the weekend. Now, I don't really dream about, oh, wow, I've quoted somewhere, but it's neat because I'm only quoted in Barron's magazine maybe once a year. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Got up, did some stuff with the kids. About one o'clock in the afternoon, my friend, friend Sam Stovall over at CFRA, he sent me a note said, hey, we were quoted in Barron's together. I'm like, really? And I looked and sure enough, I was actually quoted in the Barron's magazine on Saturday, the thing I dreamed about the night before. I was like, ooh, that's a 
That's a weird one. I mean, Bert, you ever had an experience like that? I, I never had. It was a little weird uh, Saturday when Sam sent me that email. No, no, Ryan, I yeah. never had experience like that because my, my hot takes on economic stuff is never good enough to get into Barron's. And so therefore, I never get invited to that. Uh, but but I, I will tell you, I have really weird dreams, like Ooh. like really. Oh, let's let's dissect Bert now. How much time do we have here, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the, the I got to call my my psychiatrist and say, you know, we need to put another hour on the clock. Uh, this is the type of dreams that I got. <laughs> got it. All right. So let's uh, let's move forward, guys. We've got maybe five or six minutes. Let's go to the final thing we're going to discuss, which is kind of a, a look at the Fed. And kind of some big, I think, confusing news. So I'll kind of set the stage here. Last Thursday, financial stocks, specifically banks, did really well. There was the FDIC announced they're going to start to roll back the Volcker rule, simply meaning they're going to let banks start to invest in venture capital, VC. Now, remember, the Volcker rule was put in play for a reason, because banks were almost, in a way, acting like hedge funds, doing things they shouldn't have done, too much leverage, got them in trouble. Now we're starting to reel back. Now, Bert Churchill said, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Is, is rolling back some of these things that got us in trouble, does that have you worried here? A little bit. Um, you know, I, 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 we, yeah. we saw where we got before. I, you know, I think the, the one thing that I would say, Ryan, is that the, the, the biggest recession that we are in right now it is economic likely, although, man, we might be getting all that soon. It's confidence. Right. And it is, it is confidence. And, and, and so some of these might be a little bit more of a confidence goal, a confidence vitamin, um, that you're willing to just take the other side as to what that might look like. So sometimes confidence leads to some things that, you know, leads to some stupidity. And that certainly has gotten us trouble in the past. But I got to tell you, um, it is a little bit confusing seeing some of this news that comes out. Yeah, so, so Jeff, we're going to bring you into the uh, party here for a second. So the FDIC on Thursday did that. They're rolling back things, uh, letting banks do some things they couldn't do before. And that's what has been one of the knocks, real honestly, for 10 years on kind of financials. They didn't have the leverage. They couldn't do what they needed to do to really expand. But just a couple hours later on Thursday at 4.30, the Fed stress test comes out. And simply put, the stress test takes a look at 33 banks, kind of how, how they're doing relative to different testing. First things first. The worst unemployment the Fed, the Fed stress test even looks at is 10%. They didn't even anticipate the 15% unemployment approximately that we're seeing. But for mostly, it did pretty well. But I want to read one comment from Fed Governor Brainerd um, here, Jeff, and then I'll turn it to you. This is a time for large banks to preserve capital so they can be a source of strength in a robust recovery. I do not support giving the green light for large banks to deplete capital, which raises the risk they will need to lighten credit or rebuild capital during the recovery. This policy fails to learn a key lesson of the financial crisis, and I cannot support it. So what, what, the, what the stress test also said is banks, um, they can't buy back shares, and in the third quarter, they're capped at increasing their dividends. So Jeff, it is confusing to me. FDIC says one thing, Fed says another within about three hours of each other, and banks sold off hard on Friday. What do you think about the stress test? Now you had a weekend to think about it. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, there's a couple of things going on here, but probably the most important thing is banks are well capitalized. And even under these really severe scenarios, uh, they still hit their, their capital buffers, right? And I used to think that these scenarios that the Fed was using was, were ridiculous. Like, What do you really think? think? I, I used to think, you know, before the pandemic, that 
something worse than the financial crisis in terms of unemployment was was not realistic. Well, I guess I was wrong. It, it, it sure is. So not, not only did they factor in the pandemic and these mid-teens unemployment rates, they, they took it even further, factored in even more uh, of a negative scenario in terms of economic growth, job losses, credit markets, equity market declines, just really, really nasty scenarios. And you know, the fact that all the banks still came in ahead of their triggers was, was really uh, encouraging. Now, the, the dividend story is a little bit different, right? Market was frustrated that they, right. the banks weren't going to have free reign to, to hike dividends. Well, they weren't going to hike them anyway. It's just too uncertain of an environment. Nobody really expected hikes, but I guess there was a little more scrutiny than a lot of people uh, thought. And um, you know, maybe it'll take uh, the regulators a little longer than people had hoped. Uh, before they, um, you know, loosen up there. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff, and you've only got maybe 30 seconds to this question, so I want to get the Bert with one more. What's our view on financials then? I mean, at LPL Research, what do we think about financials in 30 seconds here? Yeah, we think it makes sense to be a little bit cautious here uh, right now. I mean, it's, we know it's a really tough uh, interest rate environment, and uh, certainly we just talked about it, that the, um, you know, dividends are certainly part of the value of, of a typical large bank stock. And, you know, that story is not going to get any better uh, anytime soon. But when we do get out of this little soft patch in the economy um, right now, I mean, we're talking about like day to day, it's a little bit of a soft patch, right? Because we had this right. really sharp recovery. Now we're leveling off. Uh, after we start to pick up again, the reopening accelerates. I think bank stocks can do pretty well. Got it. So, Bert, we'll finish up with you. First off, obviously, it's July 4th. If you want to give any thoughts on um, what that means, feel free in a second. But on Thursday, I think the big news this week is the jobs numbers. We saw two and a half million jobs created last month. I guess that'd be the month of May. 10 million better than expected. Um, we're looking at maybe about 3 million jobs added again. What are you kind of looking for on the jobs front? And then again, maybe what you think about 4th of July coming up? Number one, uh, be careful with fireworks. Um, there you go. those are not good. Uh, that's all I got on that one. Um, I, I agree with you on the job stuff, uh, Ryan. I, you know, I, I think a couple of things that I would just highlight. Number one is it's not just the number of jobs. It is the type of jobs. And, um, it's going to be interesting to continue to see that, um, you know, I think every recession saw uh, a change in the slope and the type and the makeup of the work of the labor force. And we're starting to see that now. And, and I think the next couple of months is going to be interesting to not just see the number of jobs, but the types of jobs uh, that are really being created. I think the second thing is looking through the unemployment spells, are be, uh, they're beginning to elongate. The amount of folks that are on unemployment um, that, that started that, it's, you're starting to see that elongate you know, weeks and weeks and weeks out, which tells you that sort of the new joblessness is actually a little uh, hanging with us a little bit longer. And, and even though jobs are coming back, um, not as quick. The last thing I'd say, Ryan, really quickly is um, I saw a great post by uh, Josh Brown, who just talked about investment axiom out there um, over the last week. What he said was, there's no such thing in the market as good and bad, it's better and worse. And, and that's really true. And, and the reality is, I think when we think about job market, like these numbers that will be coming out, um, I, I don't know whether or not 1.5 million job right. loss is good or not. I just know it's better than expectations, and I know it's better than what it was last week. And that, I think, was what the market's really focusing on. Don't focus on good and bad. Focus on better or worse. And, and I think the better is actually the, the element that we've seen a lot more of it. Uh, good points there. I mean, we did write a blog on lplresearch.com last week where we took a look at how soon 
or how quickly or maybe how long it takes to make up the jobs that were lost. Uh, we found, you know, the tech bubble recession in the early 2000s took four years for all the jobs that were lost to come back. After the financial crisis, seven years for all the jobs to come back. So, yes, the stock market's clearly coming back uh, faster than the economy. We know that. But the economy is showing some better signs. But I think we're just going to be where we were in February, right, as the economy peaked before the recession started in March. It's probably going to take a long time. And we're obviously going to focus uh, a lot on those market signals every single week. So thank you again to everyone that continues to listen to our podcast. Thank you for everyone who gives us a, a five-star review. The more people that do that, the more people can hear our podcast. So we're really appreciative of that. And um, I'm just going to thank Bert and Thank Jeff for being on this week and want to thank everyone for listening again. And here's to a great July 4th holiday, like Bert said. But one more time, Bert, your July 4th advice. What was it again? Be careful with fireworks and fingers. <laughs> there you go. Everybody be careful with fireworks and fingers. We'll see you guys next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial. It is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarded the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through Updale Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC, insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.